This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. So if you were a Met fan, I guess all things considered, yesterday you... We I don't want to say you felt great, but there were takeaways from the performance, albeit against the Pirates, that had you, I guess, dreaming of the path to becoming more optimistic. And that is Kodai Senga, who we know his his home road splits have just been staggering, was in a road game yesterday, seven innings pitch, one earned, one earned run, six strikeouts, and the Mets got to win 5-1. to one. So the offense put some runs on the board, and Kodai Singa, who's been bad on the road and also bad on, on normal rest, went out there and pitched well. The, Nets, uh, the Mets had snapped their seven-game losing streak, which was the team's lo- longest losing streak since 2019. And then today happens, where with the chance to have a feel-good moment exiting Pittsburgh before you— clash with the Yankees at City Field for the Subway Series, got a chance to, to win a series finally. Because you remember, you go back, you swept the Phillies. We, we I'm putting quotes because it wasn't me. Uh, you started to feel like after you'd beaten the Rockies, swept the Phillies, things were turning the corner. You had righted the ship, and this team was about to take off. And that lasted up until you played actually good teams, swept by the Blue Jays, and could that series against the Braves have gone any worse than it did? When you, your aces gave up a combined 10 runs, you, you blew two three-run leads and a four-run lead, your best pitcher, or I'm sorry, your best player who got knocked out of the series is now shelved for about a month. So an offense that already throughout the season has shown some inconsistency uh, as losing its most power th- hitter, its best threat, and then we saw all of it carry over to the Friday night game against Pittsburgh when you were down 14 to two entering the ninth inning before you scored five meaningless runs. So the Mets win yesterday. Maybe we can win a series so we can feel good about things. But no, they drop this one again to the Pirates two to one in which their offense falters. And the Mets are now 31 and 35 on the season. They are in fourth place in that National League East with a negative 23 run differential. So I go to the New York Post today and I see that Joel Sherman had an exclusive with Steve Cohen. And I'm just going to read to you a portion of, you know, the, the, the interview that they had, because I think it's significant. Because what we're doing now that the Mets are just spiraling out of control, we're asking the question, you know, what's going to happen? Is he going to make a move? Are we going to see uh, Billy Eppler or GM get canned? Is Buck Showalter on the hot seat? I think that something is going to happen. Something has to happen because you can't be what the Mets are right now and, and stay stagnant. So a quote uh, from this piece that I read, uh, Cohen says, when things get really bad, I am not going to blow it up. I don't think that's the proper response. I don't think it solves anything other than it gives people a one-day story. But it doesn't really solve anything. There's plenty of blame to go around from a performance point of view. So blowing it up, I'm not sure it solves anything. It would demonstrate, oh, he really cares. He's one of us. But the reality is it's not going to solve our problems, and I think in some ways it can be demotivating. You know who that doesn't sound like? That quote from Steve Cohen doesn't sound like the guy who folks were comparing him to when he first got here, and I'm talking about George Steinbrenner, because there is no way that George, may his soul 
a rest in peace. Fresh off of blowing a 10.5 game division lead last year. That, yes, did result in 101 wins, but just one single playoff win. Watching his team mired in a catastrophe that now has them four games under 500 in June. They are in fourth place in that division, and they are drawing dead to win this division and might not even make the playoffs. There is no way George Steinbrenner is not making a move. There's no way you're hearing that quote from George Steinbrenner. And look, that's for better or for worse. I'm not saying that the that that's the right thing to do to blow it all up, you know, to come in here and you know bang you know bang the drums and have things uh, shake up significantly. But people who wanted to compare him to George Steinbrenner, he's not that guy. That's not him. That's not a George Steinbrenner quote. I I just would ask the owner of the Mets, Steve Cohen, what's the plan here? Because We now have a large enough sample size of watching this team to come to the conclusion that they're not very good. They're not very good. And there's another quote in this piece where he says, when things get this bad, you almost feel like it's got to revert back to something more normal. Okay, so what's more normal? than being four games under 500, being mediocre, a 500 team, because that's what I watched the Mets do in the final 14 games of last year where there were seven and seven. And through the first 60 games of this year, they were 30 and 30. So is that back to being normal? Is being average and mediocre back to being normal? It still doesn't get you closer to winning a championship. So I don't know where that confidence comes in that they're going to revert back to being normal, uh, a normal that's better than being average, because we just haven't seen in recent memory this Mets team do anything big. And I, I keep going back to why they collapsed last year. And we know that Starling Marte, the injury, uh, was significant for them because that, that offense relied heavily upon him being a key cog. And when you lose him, it severely compromised them. But then I think we went nuts, and it's like he became the second coming of you know Barry Bonds. Was he, he was very impactful, but I think it got overstated to some degree. And then what we also saw come apart last year was their, their, their pitching. And that was Scherzer, DeGrom, and Bassett, their three best pitchers, in a series against Atlanta where you had to, at worst-case scenario, just get one. All, you, all that you needed to do was not get swept. And that's what they did with their three best pitchers on the mound. So they settled for a wild card, got bounced in the playoffs. And now this year, it's been pretty much the same thing. Because Max Scherzer now, you know, pitching to a 3-7 ERA, and he was bad in that blow-up uh, and that loss that they had a few days ago. And Justin Verlander, fresh off of winning a Cy Young, started the season hurt, and now he's pitching to a 4-8-5 ERA. The Mets, as a team, as a team, have an ERA of just under 5. That's 25th in baseball. So when the reason why we are looking at you to start the season as a contender, a team to be reckoned with, one that's going to be there battling for a championship, it's because of that two-headed horse, the two future Hall of Famers, and Verlander and Scherzer. But when they've stunk it up this badly, and we've seen injuries affect them, where is the, the source of optimism? What, like, Why am I to believe we're going to see anything differently as they get older? You don't get older and healthier. You don't get older and more effective. Now, you can say they're not going to be this bad, but who knows? Because usually when, when you lose it at that age, it just happens.
It happens. So we don't know that there's going to be this this correction to where they become elite again because that's really the only chance the Mets have of winning a championship. Verlander and Scherzer need to be elite. And they simply haven't been. Which what which is what what makes this so frustrating if you're a Mets fan because in the midst of the struggles, we pointed to the offense, right? It was this was an offense that stymied last year, and you really didn't do anything to address it. You brought up some kids. You brought up Beatty and Alvarez, who hit another home run yesterday. And that's all fine and good. But there was no real difference maker that was going to make this a more circular lineup. Lindor has not been anything close to what you expected. Pete Alonso is lighting the world on fire, but now he's hurt. But the, the frustrating part is you go back to the Braves series where the Mets scored four runs, then they scored five runs, then they scored ten runs. So you're talking about 19 runs scored in the series. Pretty good. They get swept because their starting pitching was bad. The opening game against Pittsburgh, I mentioned, they had two runs entering the ninth inning. I'm not going to count you know, the seven-run output as uh, uh, something that we should be excited about. But scored five yesterday, and then today you know, they, they only scored one. But the offense really hasn't been the biggest problem with this team. It's been that starting rotation that I mentioned, 4-9-6 ERA, 25th in all of baseball. So I just don't see the correction coming. When you hear Cohen come out and he say that you know we it, things aren't changing, I, I just I don't know how you expect this to get better. If I, I, I look, I respect the vote of confidence you're giving to your manager and to your GM, but when I hear said manager after the Brave series talk about how proud he is of the team. And Scherz is talking about, like, we're right there with them. No, you're not. The Braves own you. They swept you at the end of last year, swept you in a big series this year. You're not even close to them. You're not even close. So, I, I just, the Mets are throwing the ball all over the place. They just don't look like a functional baseball team. And not to put all of the onus on Buck, but he was brought here to be the grown-up in that room, right? Because they've had some buffoons as managers, uh, as managers, and that clearly was the disadvantages they entered. Like, you always had a managerial disadvantage entering a series. And that was going to come to fruition in a, in a bad way in the playoffs. Can't get outmanaged that significantly, significantly expect to win a championship. But, I mean, when you look at what's happening with this team on the field, and some of the quotes that's coming from the locker room. It's almost like they're going out there feeling sorry for themselves, expecting to lose. And it gets to a point where, again, we talk about, well, having to settle for the wild card. Well, that would involve you winning games. So right now, here are your three wild card leaders in the National League. It's the Dodgers, the Marlins, and the Brewers. Mets right now, Four games back of the Brewers. But in between them and the Brewers are the Phillies, the Padres, and the Giants. So you're talking about having to leapfrog all of these teams just to get into the wild card. And I, I just don't see anything changing. Cohen also says, I don't think this team will continue to get blown out or lose leads. Based on what? I think he, his analysis of what's going on with the Mets, I think, is dead accurate when he says, the starting pitching being so compromised, being so... Short too, like you're 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 getting four or five innings out of your starters. It's now overexpending or overexposing what to me has already been proven to be a suspect bullpen, especially once you lose your your best weapon and Edwin Diaz before the season. So that has a, a residual impact on the rest of the team. 
the formula for the Mets is Verland. I mean, even the pitchers aren't going out there and giving you seven, eight, nine innings anymore. Can you give me six of dominant baseball? Can you give me six? Can I ask two first ballot Hall of Fame pitchers who I'm paying $40 million a year to give me six clean innings? Can you go out there and look the part, look like what we expected you to be? The, one of the best, if not the best duos in baseball. And it just hasn't happened. So I, I asked the question, the Mets under the Wilpons were losers. <laughs> What's the difference between how they looked under the Wilpons versus what they look like now under Cohen? They're expensive losers. 800-919-3776. We'll get to your phone calls when we get back. Todd Butler going until 6 o'clock right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. So we'll get to the Yankee side of things. They're going to play tonight in a rubber match against the Red Sox. They're going to take that series. They, they fell to the White Sox, which is just, just a bad series loss. But, I mean, the offense, you, you see what happens to them once Judge is not part of the equation. And I'm really concerned about what this team is going to be, you know, in, in the duration uh, until he comes back because – uh, the Rays are starting to get hot again, so it's the, the division looks like it's slipping away. But it's about can the Yankees, and I heard Kay talking about this on Friday, can the Yankees just hover around 500 without him? And if they can do that, you feel great about where you are when he comes back. I, my biggest concern, though, is when he does get back, is it because he's 100% healthy or is it just a pain tolerance thing where he's able to play through it? Because if it's the latter, that's scary. It's going to not just affect him at the plate, which we saw with DJ last year. Now, Judge is a much better player than LeMahieu, so you would expect that the production won't precipitously drop off the way that we saw with LeMahieu just because of you know the gap between what those two players are. But if Judge, at his best, hitting 62 home runs last year, wasn't good enough for the Yankees to win a championship, then they compromised Judge. I mean, what are we talking about here? So it, offensively, you could see it have some type of an impact. And you also worry because he's such a valuable asset defensively, which ironically enough was how he got hurt running all out for a ball and running into a damn cement uh, part of the ground on, on the wall in, in L.A. I, I'm worried. I'm worried about that. But we're talking about the Mets right now, 800-919-3776. And before we get back to the phone calls, I want to hit on something else because in the in the piece that I'm referencing, Joel Sherman had like a uh, an exclusive with with Steve Cohen and evaluating the state of things with the Mets, and it sounds like he's given a vote of confidence to both both Epler and Buck, which is something I won't kill him for. You got to have conviction. These were the guys that you put in place to do their job. So I mean, I'm not expecting him to come out there and rip them, but if you're a Met fan thinking they were going to get fired. It doesn't sound like that's happening. I think what's also working against them is because of the expansion of the playoffs, even when you get closer to the trade deadline, there are going to be so many teams vying and still in the hunt for getting to the play- postseason that it really, it really dilutes the market. So in the past, you would have had all these weapons at your disposal as far as them being, you know, potential uh, teams being potential sellers, but with so many, so many of these clubs still involved in the hunt later into the year, that can have an impact on what the trade market looks like. And the Mets, 
clearly have a problem with the personnel or else they wouldn't be in this predicament that they're in now. I, I The confidence has to ultimately become Scherzer and Verlander will get back to being what they're accustomed to being, and that's going to help, you know, steady our rotation. Senga was was brilliant yesterday, so, I mean, against the Pirates, but you hope that those home road splits don't continue to be what they are, so you'll get something from him. And if you get extended starts out of these guys, it lessens the blow on having to overuse a suspect bullpen. These guys are more rested. They're pitching fewer innings, so they've got more in the tank. So if you're trying to talk yourself into the Mets being salvageable, that's where it has to start. But also a guy who I I haven't even checked checked throughout this conversation is Lindor. He has to be better. I mean, what you were expecting to get from this guy, I mean, it pales into comparison to what the actual level of production has been. And with Alonzo out, that's more pressure on him to step up, and I just don't see it happening. I think the Mets are what they are. And for a while, they were telling us, this is what we are. We're a mediocre team, and we didn't believe it because we just saw that this this was a roster that's too talented. But you go back to last year and how it ended, this is becoming what the Mets are. And I'm simply pointing it out, and I've been called a hater. You're a Yankee fan. Hey, why would I hate on the Mets who won one playoff game in seven years. Uh, I find that hard to believe that that's a route I would go down. 800-919-3776. Let's head to Queens. We talk to D. What's up, D? What's up, D? Yo, what's going on with you, man? You know, you disappoint me. Oh, why is that? All the people. Oh, no, no. Of all the people in all the sports. I don't like sports television at all. You know why? Because there was basically a hater, bitter, with these hot takes. We don't act like the Mets closer didn't get hurt before the season, that Pete Alonso didn't just get hurt. And I, I'm mad at the Mets. The one thing I'm mad at the Mets is they didn't put someone in the hospital on the Braves. That was some sucker business. But they have real injuries, and baseball is a long season. Give them time. And the thing is, the Warriors didn't become a great organization right away when they changed, organiz- uh, changed ownership. It takes the time to build up the farm system and, and clean up all the messes that – the what's the name left behind that the Will Pons left behind. Come on, man. Hang you on, D. Let me ask you a question. D, D. So before, after after the Mets lost Diaz before the season, if I yes. had told you they would go on to in the middle of June be thirty one and thirty five, you would have you would have said, Oh, sounds sounds about right. Sounds about where I would have had them because that's how that's how important D now Diaz is he was the best closer in baseball last year. I don't want to dismiss how valuable he is. But you coming on here with these excuses sounds pretty soft to me as hold a Mets fan. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Look what the Mets could have done. Signed that bum in Minnesota and or, um, you know, the Anthony Davis of pitchers <laughs> that's in Texas Yo, right that, now. Those were moves okay. that they didn't make that, to their credit, worked in their favor. Now, Carlos Correa failed a physical. So, I mean, they wanted him. He failed a physical, and they decided to go in a different direction. Jacob DeGrom, I think they were hoping that another team came in and gave him a better offer just because they didn't want to look like the bad guys. So, yes, those are two moves that certainly have worked in their favor. But, I mean, you're going to come on here and act like 
look, just as George Steinbrenner reincarnated, Yankee fans should be nervous about what the Mets are doing, what they got cooking over there. Won 101 games last year, blew a 10-and-a-half game division lead, won one playoff game. Today we're talking about a team four games under 500, and I'm a hot take artist okay. because I'm calling them out for it. You sound crazy. And when they make the playoffs this year, I'll call back. Oh, is that the standard, D? But that just shows you that just shows you how far you've fallen. Because if the standard is, yeah. I am going to be proud of this team because they made the damn playoffs with a $340 million payroll, if that's the standard, then hold the L, man. Get it tatted on your forehead. And how much did the Yankees spend in that win? I mean, the Yankees are making the playoffs. They won a championship series last year. They won a championship series in 19, championship series in 2017. You can't compare. And, look, I've been disappointed with the Yankees, but you don't sit here and compare the Mets to the Yankees. That's where you start to lose a race that you're already losing significantly, D. The baseball playoffs are the most, are most random of them all. So making the playoffs means anything can happen. They are the least predictive. The regular season in baseball is the least predictive of all the playoffs anywhere. Anywhere. Like, literally in the world. For the most part. So making for, the play- for the yeah. most part. So, making the playoffs is a big deal in baseball because it is completely random. Uh, for the most part. And I appreciate the call, D. I, I don't think you did a good job of... Uh of outlining how I'm, I'm a hot take artist for simply calling out a team that was expected to make noise, and now they're uh, one, two, three teams are between them and the final wild card as we sit here on June 11th. I don't, I don't think that that's out of line or out of bounds. People say the baseball playoffs are just unpredictable, and I think to a certain extent it is, but I feel like that has also become overrated and... Because it's like, well, it's a crapshoot. Okay, sure, sometimes. 2014, 2015, those Royals teams, I guess the Royals weren't really expected prior to 14. But once we saw them lose in the World Series in 14, they came back, won the World Series. 2017, who was the best team in baseball? The Astros won the World Series. 2018, was the best team in baseball? The Red Sox won the World Series. 2019, one of the best teams in baseball, Astros, didn't win it, got all the way there. 2020. The team that had been one of the best in baseball the last couple of years, Dodgers, won the World Series. Last year, Astros, best team in baseball, won the World Series. So we can sometimes act like it's more of a crapshoot than what it is. But I think in order to be, in order to be a content, like in order to be among the teams that that's vying for a championship, you, you got to be a great team. And right now, the Mets aren't. They're just not. They're just not. Let's go to Long Island. We talk to Matt. What's up, Matt? So I'm going to give a slightly different comparison, and I think we have to look across the pond to the Chelsea Football Club. You know, billionaire American owner doesn't really kind of know what he's doing. They sacked their manager three times, spent the most money in the Premier League, ended at half the table. At what point do we just say the players are just not sinking, you know, firing you know, the manager, Chelsea didn't work. You know, I know that, you know, we could call Theo Epstein, who's a special assistant for Major League Baseball, but I'm sure he's going to want something in return. You know, underperformance is underperformance, and outside of, what, maybe five or six years, the Mets haven't been all that great since 86. Yeah, listen. You know, they won, they won in 86, they won in 88, they were bad till about 95, 
95, they played pretty well. You have 99, 2001, and you have another stretch of a decade. So we're just spent, they're spending money, but ultimately it's just not performance. And firing Buck won't solve the problem because the players still have to play. Buck Showalter's not nine players on the field. Yeah, listen, Matt, I appreciate the call. I appreciate the uh, analogy you have there. Harvey certainly does with the uh, Chelsea uh, reference. Harvey's, you know, all about the Premier League. But so the thing is this, I I don't necessarily think firing Buck Showalter is the answer. And in fact, I don't think that's the answer. I don't think that's the answer. My the reason why I brought that up, though, was because if this were George Steinbrenner, you think Buck Showalter would still have a job? No, we actually saw Steinbrenner fire Buck Showalter. He's the Yankee manager. When you have the amount of expectations that the Mets had. During the Steve Cohen era, where they were going to spend money, and what it afforded them to do was to to outspend their mistakes, which is why D, the more I think about his phone call, becomes even more laughable that he's now giving excuses. It takes time. No, when you've got this payroll, nobody want to hear about taking time. This is a, a a window where championships have to be won now. You know who's not here for you know patience and taking time. Your 40-year-old aces, your Scherzers and your, Verl- your Verlanders. I don't want to hear anything about it takes time, and those are the guys who are underperforming. But the point is, your championship window is now. And when you have that amount of money tied up to older players, I want to hear about down the line what's going to happen. You've stunk. You have stunk. And last year's season ended in an embarrassing way, and the way this year has started has been pathetic. And it has to be called out. We'll take more of your phone calls when we get back. 800-919-3776. Reacting to the Mets. Losing yet another series. This time uh, down in Pittsburgh. Out, out in Pittsburgh, I should say, where they fall to the Pirates in the finale of a three-game set, 2-1. to one. So they lose Friday night, lose this afternoon. And now they are going to play the Yankees coming up at City Field. That series gets underway on Tuesday, a little two-game series before they host the Cardinals and then they go to Houston and to Philadelphia. So the Mets lose again, not shockingly, but at some point the question becomes how do we fix this? Or is it a lost season? Is it a lost season? It can't be with that payroll. So how do we fix it? Let's try to figure it out together right here on 98.7 ESPN. Hold the L, man. Get it tatted on your forehead. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> By the way, shout out to Gary Sanchez, man. Couldn't wait to get him out of New York. He's batting cleanup in San Diego today. Batting cleanup. Sanchez, uh, low key, has actually been pretty good. So he's played 11 games with the Padres. He's got five home runs, two doubles. So he's got seven extra base hits, 12 RBIs. Uh, and a 282 batting average, batting cleanup for the Padres. So Gary looking to, you know, get his career back on track because, you know, he he was such a highly touted uh, prospect, and I don't think that gets discussed enough, just how how devastating him not panning out was because you have, you know, Judge and, you know, Severino, all the young kids come up in 2017 and and perform well. Sanchez, you it it feels hard to, to recall this. But you go back, there was a legitimate conversation. Now, who's better between Gary Sanchez and Aaron Judge? Now, that looks foolish now, 
Judge, an MVP, hit 62 home runs last year, might be the best player in baseball, and Sanchez is now on his a third different team or fourth different team in eight years and and four in the last two years. But that was a legitimate conversation back 2017 when, when the kids first came up, 2016. Who's going to pan out better? Who's going to have the better career? And Sanchez, because of the quote-unquote arm talent, uh, he was going to be a force, and it just never panned out. But wanted to show him some love today. I, I'm not someone who can't stand Gary. I know Yankee fans root against him just because you know he was lazy, all the pass balls, and just didn't. He didn't have a winning mentality. He didn't have the the body language of of someone you felt like you could build around as as a blue chipper. But Gary's doing his thing out in San Diego, so wanted to show him some love. Uh, back to, to, to real quick, give the Mets more time. The more I sit on this, I, I just it drives me crazy because I don't want to come across as a hater. You're just a Yankee fan. I'm laughing at the Mets. It, it is cute that y'all thought, you know, championships, multiple, were about to come. In short order, you were going to be the 90s Yankees because you had an owner who was going to spend, spend, and keep on spending. Now, that spending right now uh, is not being done in the correct manner. And I'm not going to blame Cohen and say he doesn't know what he's doing. He's the owner. Like, what else is he supposed to do? He's, he's given the team the funds. It's Billy Epler's job to put together a roster that is contend, uh, contender-worthy, and he simply hasn't done it. He simply has not done it. But to say that we need to give them more time, uh, like, what are we talking about? They are nine and a half games back in the division, which means that since June 1st of last year, since June 1st of last year, Atlanta is 20 games better than you. 20 games better than you with this payroll, with this level of expectation. With the Hall of Famers that you have on this roster, with one of the most respected managers in all of baseball, they have been 20 games better than you since June 1st of last year to the point where now like, we laugh at the thought of you being some contender. And we should have looked closer to what happened at the end of last season to give us a, a, a perspective on maybe what we could expect this year. Because yes, as the caller brought up, not having Jacob DeGrom, not having Carlos Correa, uh, that seems to be something that went right for, for Billy Epler and company. But uh, not improving the offense the way that you should have. And I don't know that it was a mistake to sign Verlander because I was someone who wanted the Yankees to sign him. I, so I can't sit here and, and fraudulently call that a, a mistake and be a hypocrite. It's just that when, when guys aren't performing, it's easiest to blame the manager. It's easiest to blame the GM. But especially when that GM just doesn't have a resume of someone who has you know, shown himself to be one of the bright minds in, in the sport. Let's hear from Buck Showalter. Uh, speaking of which, he was, uh, he was asked, uh, are there any concerns? I am excited. I haven't heard this yet. But we know with Showalter, he, he's been saying some crazy things. Uh, are any concerns coming off a 1-5 road trip? 
move forward, take a day, hopefully uh, take a breath and get ready after, get after another good club. You know, we're not playing like uh, we think we're capable of. You know, all, you always have that concern regardless of what time of the year it is. Or You know, I, I don't get into that how many games are left and all that other stuff. You, you want to be operating on all cylinders. We know that's a real challenge. You still strive to get there. We just haven't, you know, we had a pretty well-pitched game for us today and we didn't take advantage of it. You know, I'll be the first to give their guys credit, but, uh, you know, we got to solve those good guys too. I was waiting for him to say how proud he is of the Mets, despite the fact that they've lost, what, eight of their last nine games. And Carrasco was 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 was, was okay today. He didn't go the full five innings, but six hits, two earned runs, did, did his part to help the Mets win. They just couldn't muster any offense. And we're going to start to see the effect of Pete Alonso not being in that lineup. The only offense today was Jeff McNeil going deep. But three hits for the team today? Three hits. It's not not much you can do that with with that. And, and as much as I, I've been on the the starting rotation, which I pointed out is twenty fifth in baseball in starter ERA, Carrasco that wasn't the problem today. That was not the issue. The offense compromised without their best player. Couldn't do anything. And look, I don't want to denigrate because I said Kodai Senga and I gave him praise and I said it's the Pirates. The Pirates are first place in that division. So they've been in, they've been a, a decent team this year, but the Mets, what we thought they could become, is not a team that after getting swept by Atlanta will go into Pittsburgh and lose two or three. So that just shows you how far they've fallen. Uh, let's go to Steve. What's up, Steve? In Chappaqua. What's up, Steve? Hey, Ty. You're the best. You're the best. I enjoy listening to you. You're relatively new. My my question is for you to give us a little of your background, where your sports knowledge come from. What do you what do you consume on a daily basis? The athletic, uh, the times, both sports and non sports. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Ty. Well, I appreciate that, man. So I've got Twitter notifications set up for like beat reporters and the, the break, the breaking news guys. So uh, Woj and Schefter, and I've got Malika Andrews there, Jeff Passan. Uh, Bosteroni, so I get like immediate notification from them. I I listen to the station a ton, obviously. My guys DPH on Rothenberg, holding it down in the morning. Uh, Greeny and and then Alan Hyde, Bart Bart Scott, K Show, Dan, Dan Grassa, Gordon and Larry. So I'm 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 listening to the station as much as possible, getting my news there. I'm big Twitter guy. I read a bunch of articles. New York Post, I go there. Got some great writers for sports, The Athletic. So this, this, it's constantly flowing. The brain is always in motion. Uh, brain is always in motion. I don't know if I should have uh, repeated that. Eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Want to hear more from uh, the Mets today? Here was uh, Carlos Carrasco when he was asked, "What's the level of concern?" I think, like I said before, we're gonna have some up and downs. Tomorrow's off, and uh, we go from there, man. We have some more game, game left, and uh, we're just trying to do everything we can. We're trying to figure out how to to go out there and win some game. But at the same time, I think we we we're gonna find out. And Frankie Lindor was asked, can the Subway Series that's coming up Tuesday and Wednesday against the Yankees be a spark for this team? Definitely. I mean, that's one of a uh, playoff atmosphere without being in the playoffs. So uh, I'm, I'm, looking, I'm looking forward to it. A great show when two fan bases from the same city go at each other, the two organizations. I'm looking forward to it, and I can't wait to be home with my family as well. Yeah, the only problem is the playoff atmosphere. It didn't bode well for your team last year when you won one playoff game, and this organization won playoff win in seven years. So I don't necessarily know that 
uh, this this team should be itching for your playoff atmosphere. Maybe it'll provide to be a spark. You go out there and sweep the Yankees, and you go from you know being four under to two under. Maybe you can start to get a little confident. But again, I'm down on the Mets, and I, I've been saying I've been beating this drum uh, for a long time now. And I was I was said to be premature on it. But it, it has been proven that this is not a very good baseball team. 800-919-3776. More of your phone calls. When we get to 5 o'clock, we want to get to football. Aaron Rodgers' disrespect has gone too far. So we'll talk about that in 15 minutes. Right here on 9870 ESPN. It's constantly flowing. The brain is always in motion. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Yankees, Red Sox in the Bronx. It will be a fun one. That, of course, if you are not someone who uh, is like me and lacks confidence in uh, Clark Schmidt, who's going to be going against Brian Bellow. The Yankees looking to win this series. Uh, so they'll look to get that done tonight. I-, I mentioned earlier, Aaron Judge, this is the type of news that is so devastating because even when he returned from what was it, the the hip injury that sidelined him for a week and a half, he came back and he was on fire. And you saw quickly how impactful he is for this team. Now, that's not rocket science. He's the MVP of the league. He had 62 home runs last year. He is arguably, arguably the best player in baseball. So, of course, losing him is going to put you at a major disadvantage. But... I'm just I'm worried about when he comes back, is it pain tolerance? Is he still dealing with the injury? Because it feels like it's been nebulous. Like the Yankees aren't giving you much on on, on the extent of the injury, how long he's gonna be out. Is it pain tolerance or is he completely healed? If it's pain tolerance, that 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 worries me because this is something that's just gonna continue to linger the rest of the way. And I just don't know that the Yankee offense can sustain Judge not being otherworldly. And that's a problem. So they're 30 and 19 when he's in the lineup, 8 and 9 without him. If they can just hover around that 500 mark until he gets back, I think they'll be okay. But it gets to a point where it gets late early as far as winning the division. You're now nine games back of Tampa. Who a Tampa team that now eight and two in their last ten, and you still have to overcome Baltimore, who all of a sudden last year started to play well, and this year they've been pretty damn good. Might be settling for a wild card, but it depends on the extent of the the Judge injury. So Domingo Herman yesterday got the win for the Yankees, six innings, six hits, one earned run, five strikeouts. Actually, you know, pr- pretty good in two of the three starts since returning from. Uh, that suspension, that 10-game suspension for foreign substances. Uh, But you get offense from Willie Calhoun, who go-ahead home run in the fifth inning, which, by the way, so I came across this stat, 362 feet. But that's how far that home run traveled. That's only a home run in Yankee Stadium. So the Yankees benefited from that short porch yesterday. Glaber Torres also hit a solo home run. Going to be interesting to see what happens with him nearing the trade deadline because there there have been for a couple years now rumors that this could be some trade bait, uh, especially with the contract situation coming up. You don't know if you want to retain him. But Glaber Torres is, is, an eye, is, a, is a name to keep an eye on going forward. I cannot for the life of me, deal with the Anthony Volpe 
overreaction. I get that he hasn't been like he hasn't been great. I don't think it's really costing them games. And he almost had a walk-off home run Friday night that just curled foul. And defensively, he's had some issues at the plate. They've he went from batting leadoff, so he's dropped all the way down to the bottom third of the lineup. A lot of times bat ninth. And there is always this natural knee-jerk reaction to say he's overwhelmed, got to send him down. I just, the Yankees are had conviction after he won the starting shortstop job. So I don't know that, what, 60, 70 games into his career, you're going you're gonna to strip him of his confidence by sending him down, and now you're worried about what he is going forward especially because you're still 10 games above 500. You're still in the hunt, and it's not really costing you to the, st- to the, to the extent of where it, it's a move you have to make. And I frankly don't see what the other option is. And I know people will throw out there Peraza. I, I just don't know that he is, even if he's an upgrade, is it significant enough where you demote Volpe and you put your yourself in danger of, of losing him psychologically because that that that'll be a hard pill to swallow for him. So I think he'll be fine, and he better be. He better be because they they were were not including him in any trade offers for anyone. Anyone becomes available, you cannot have Anthony Volpe. So he better be good. But I just don't think right now you pull the plug. That feels a little bit premature. So it's just not a conversation to me that is worth entertaining. Yankees, again, play tonight uh, in the Bronx. Clark Schmidt wasn't wasn't bad in his last start. He's just too inconsistent. The Yankees um, announced today also that Harrison Bader was doing some agility drills. Looked like uh, Carlos Rodon was throwing live batting practice. And actually, so Harvey, was it um, Willie Calhoun who he hit on the elbow during live batting practice? Yeah, literally just hit him on the arm. Ah, You could hear him. He's like, ow. Not what you want. By the way, speaking of being hit, John Sterling in the ninth inning yesterday during that Justin Turner at bat where Clay Holmes was in a battle with him with the runner on. John Sterling took one to the noggin. Uh, A foul ball hit him. Would it, it hit him in his face, back of his head? I believe the eyebrow. He started bleeding. Oh, man. But that's he a, took it like a champion. That's a tough guy. What a what a tough... It's tougher. He's a lot tougher than some of these baseball players out there. He's doing the game tonight. That's how tough he is. Man, John Sterling, he, he, that dude, he he's a warrior. So, uh, <laughs> listening to... Because I, I didn't see where it hit him. I, I heard the audio of it. And he's like, ow, oh, it, it, it caught me. And then right, right into the next pitch. Chicken liver. John Sterling didn't take any pitches off, so he's rolling with the punches. He'll be he'll be back uh, in the booth tonight. So looking forward to Yankees Red Sox, the finale of that series before they play the Mets. Gotta sweep the Mets if you're the Yankees. Can't have them getting any confidence. Let's go to Porchester. We talked to Dan. What's up, Dan? Hey, how you doing? Doing well, man. What's Um, up? Yeah. So I mean, real quick on this Volpe thing. I mean, I guess to me, Volpe. You can send him down. I don't know that it ruins his confidence, right? Like, I mean, a guy, he's hitting 180. He's not a disaster in the field. But, like, Mickey Mantle was sent down to the minors, and his career turned out okay. So if Volpe's that mentally weak, I think we have a bigger problem. And you know, on top of that, blocking Peraza right now, who's tearing it up in the minors, like, the, the infield roster construction causes problems. So I don't know. 
I hear you. Listen, Dan, and yes, there. Look, I don't want to make it seem like that's that. That's the only reason why you wouldn't send him down because it'll, it'll shoot his confidence. And you're right. Part of it has to be. Look, there were expectations. You're not living up to it yet. We'll send you down. Try to correct some of those issues. My point is, I don't think you do it this soon, especially because you you can bring up Peraza's tearing it up in the minors. I just don't know that he is that much of a significant upgrade over Volpe, that that's the decision you make, especially for a guy who was so highly touted. The Yankees believe in him to such, a, to such an extent, to such a degree, that they were unwilling to involve him in any trades. Like, this, this was the untouchable asset. We are not giving him up for anybody. So I, just, I, I think it just sends the wrong message to him if you're giving him 65, 70 games before you pull the plug. Because he does have some pop in his bat, and when he gets on base, he's a stolen, uh, you know, he can st- steal a bag or two. I, I just I don't subscribe to the idea that right now is when you do it. Now, if we get later into the season and it's starting to cost you and he's clearly the weak link, and now you, you see that Peraza legitimately is a significant upgrade, and it's going to help position you for the playoffs and make a deep playoff run, then maybe we can uh, revisit that. But I just don't think the time for that is right now. Let's go to Garden City. Uh, we talked to Jeff. What's up, Jeff? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm loving your show. Thank, Thank you, you for making it entertaining while I'm driving the car on a semi-cloudy, not sunny beach weekend. So I'm a Met fan. I'm a, so I'm, I'm a Met fan. But I'm a Met fan via my father, who was a Dodger fan. So, you know, I spent most of my time Dodgers, Mets, and my whole life since they came on at around 62. But I got to tell you, this is the first season where I'm actually watching more Yankee games than I am because I do think the microscope is so big. And so many of the fans, from Volpe to Aaron Judge's toe to their pitching, this is a good team. It is a good team, and there's nobody else with the exception, even Tampa and Texas, as wonderful as they're doing. There's no, there's no superstar team out there. The Yankees do have a shot, and I enjoy watching Aaron Boone get thrown out four, five, six times <laughs> because he's now really lighting a fire under this team. Individually, this Yankee team is a really good team. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. They're better than the Mets right now. Well, I mean, that's but not going out on a limb. I, I think the more concerning thing is that you are a diehard Met fan who is now finding more enjoyment in watching the Crosstown Rivals, who you'll play two times this week. I think that's yep. uh, that that that's concerning. Well, you know what? I, I love the game, and the older I get, and I don't know how old you are, but the older you get, sometimes the things you loved when you were 10, 15, 20 years old don't matter when you're in your 60s, right? So you start to think that. of the game more than just the individual players and the microscope of social media. Oh, his feelings might get hurt if you send them down. He's listening. He's a prospect. He's going to learn a lot. He's got 60 games under his belt, and he's a good fielder. And just build this team. This is a good Yankee team. I, I'm, I'm assuming you're a Yankee fan, Yeah, I am. Correct? Yes, that, is, yeah. that would be it's the right It's a really assumption. good team to watch. I mean, they're managed very well, and they put on a show. And I'm liking the game of baseball via the Yankees right now. And, you know, I wouldn't worry. They're in the playoffs. Nobody's going to take anybody down. It's sort of like, look, who would have thought the Las Vegas Golden Knights and the Panthers were going to be in the Stanley Cup (laughs) final? Who thought? Yeah. I I thought it was Boston and somebody else. Yeah, everyone thought it was Boston. They were out here setting records. They looked like the unbeatable team. And, you know, even here locally, and I appreciate the call, 
if you were a Ranger fan, you were thinking if we can just find a way to get them knocked out, then maybe that opens our path to, uh, you know, getting to, uh, to getting back to the Cup final. But of course, they they lost to the Devils. But as far as the Yankees, I, I guess you look at you look at the Astros. The Astros, I get they're they're not the Rangers right now. The Altuve injury hurt them to start the season, and they're in second place in that division. Um, I don't know how much I'm afraid of the Rangers. There are some teams that are really good in the regular season. They get to the playoffs, and they're not the same team. The Rays did the last time the Yankees and the Rays met in the playoffs. Uh, the Yankees lost in five, so that's a team that concerns me. And the Astros, the, as I mentioned, the Yankees just can't seem to beat them. So those are the two teams that I would say I, that really give me trepidation. But we always play this game, and it's every year. And I guess part of it is the flaw in how this Yankee team is built. But we can play it again. If they're healthy... Then you give them a shot against anyone. Verdon, uh, he like when he's a part of this rotation, and you get Nestor back, and hopefully several. There's so many question marks. You got Garrett Cole, and then it's question mark with Verdon's health. It's question mark with Severino's health, and now he's not pitching well. It's question mark now with Nestor Cortez, who was a an All Star last year, not pitching well, and he's on the IL. If these question marks somehow get answered and Judge comes back and you're able to get your full complement of players, then maybe we can talk about this team making some noise. But right now, as presently constructed, especially with all the injuries, it's hard to say that you know no one's beating them come postseason. 800-919-3776. Our number three coming up next right here on 9870 ESPN. Semi-sweet chocolate morsels. Bert Scott and Alan Hahn. Two New York guys doing a New York show. Weekdays at noon. WEPN-FM. New York. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN.